Welcome to the Behind the Bits podcast. Your host, Scott Curtis, wants to learn everything he can about stand-up comedy and take you along for the ride. Scott and his guests talk serious about comedy in every episode. Behind the Bits will uncover knowledge from different perspectives on subjects such as writing and performing stand-up comedy, as well as booking shows and the comedy life. If you're thinking about becoming a stand-up comic, already in the comic game, or a comedy nerd, Behind the Bits is the show for you. Now, let's get Behind the Bits. Steven! Hey, Scott. How are you? Good. Thanks for being on the show today. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm honored. Uh, and thank you for saying I'm likable. Already, I'm, uh, I'm thrilled. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, I did a lot of uh, deep digging into your, into your, uh, all the videos that you put up. And that was one thing that seemed fairly universal. And there's one thing I wanted to ask you, I did some really deep digging and I found one clip. It's a very short clip where you said you like metal music. And now, now do you really like metal music or was that just for the joke? No, no, I'm, I'm, uh, I mean, I, my first concert was, uh, Alice Cooper. Oh, nice. And and I've seen him, I think 15 times. Oh, wow. Huge, huge fan. Yeah. I, I mean, older, what's considered older metal. Yeah. But like, you know, that, that kind of stuff is, is truly, I, I, I'm, I'm obsessed with Alice, but yeah. like all that kind of level stuff is. That's is funny. Alice was actually my first because my cousin Whoa. was a big Alice Cooper fan. And this is back in the seventies. Uh, yeah. So it was, it was back when, you know, he was hot. And, uh, yeah. and I, I remember, I uh, stayed the night at her house and uh, we were watching like creature feature, but she had all these Alice Cooper posters up and I'm like, well, who's this, who's this guy? So she started playing the albums and and that was my, uh, my first metal love. And then I went on to uh, Judas Priest and Judas Priest has kind of stayed with me uh, ever, ever since they're kind of my band. I've got a Judas Priest belt buckle and I'm pretty proud of that. Yeah. That's awesome. (laughs) That's so cool. Yeah, I would listen to that stuff all through high school and m- middle school as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I've, I've now I've gotten into vinyl, so I've oh, okay. my it's just growing and growing and growing. I love it so much. Yeah, the whole vinyl thing, the resurgence is just nuts. I, I'm really glad it's happening. I mm-hmm. I can't really take advantage of the warmer sound that vinyl has because I'm deaf. So it, it, okay. it, I'm not 100% deaf, but deaf yeah. enough that I'm not going to notice any any more warmth in a LP. Warm. But I, I do miss the days because when we moved, I ended up getting rid of my whole LP collection. And I do miss the days of... Um, Take them out and taking the album out, putting the needle on, looking at the cover and all yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah. And Alice has his uh, Alice Cooper Goes to Hell album. The cover, and I, I'm new to all this, obviously. The cover to the album, like the sleeve, I guess you'd call uh-huh. it, inside, has like a backstory too, because he's a very concept album. Yeah. Yeah, it has like backstory and like I my name's Steven. I was named after Steven in the Welcome to My Nightmare album. Oh, cool. So and to like a little for the nerd part of me, like Steven's a little boy that's trapped in his own nightmare and it's a character that keeps coming up in Alice's music. And uh-huh. in some of the album sleeves, they're referencing the character. And for me it gives me extra goosebumps because it's my name. Yeah. So yeah. Cool. Yeah, that's really neat. I love it. Yeah, that's a that's a cool story. Now, one of the things this is very uh, evident in your act is uh, your anxiety. Mm-hmm. So I got to ask, why would somebody who has anxiety get into stand up comedy? <laughs> because it's the most anxious thing you can do. <laughs> um, I I'm a very obsessive person, as I've already shown. <laughs> I, I saw. I think it was Wendy Liebman was the first 
comedian I saw as far as on TV. I think uh-huh. it was like a half hour on HBO. And I remember, I don't know how old I was, but I, she, so she's like super rapid fire. Uh-huh. I think she's from Boston. So it's like, it was just, it blew my mind. And I, I, I was so I think I was young enough that I didn't catch everything, mm-hmm. but the the audience reaction and then what it did to my parents mm-hmm. was insane to me because my parents were and still part of my world, but they were my entire world back then. Right. And I'm like, oh my god, this woman in the TV is changing the the room in here. Uh-huh. It's like crazy, and um, I, I immediately became obsessed. And then uh, I think Carson retired before I, I was born, but somehow I remember growing up watching maybe like reruns or clips or uh-huh. something. And then Letterman uh, uh, stand-up appearances, like anyone that did Late Night with Letterman, I remember watching those. And then Dangerfield, and then Jim Carrey movies were another huge part of just like... I became this comedy nerd as, mm. as a child. It was so fun. And my parents were like, oh, great. Let's watch comedy with him. And then they would introduce me to new comedy, old comedy. It was really cool. And then started taking me to live shows when I was, I think, in high school or getting out. Mm-hmm. And that just I was, short-term answer, I was obsessed. And yeah. I, couldn't, I wanted to do it so badly. Well, that's that's really cool. So, what was it like when you got up that first time? I I was so bad. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was so bad, uh, and I didn't. I was so nervous. I also have this. And this is a typical for people with anxiety. No matter, even though I was desperate to do it and be good at it, I kept putting it off, and uh-huh. I was. Um, I remember I was a swimmer in high school. I remember being on the deck of the pool talking to the other swimmers and someone going, you know, there's a comedy club in town. You can go there. Uh-huh. And, uh, I was like, oh, I guess I could. And I was so nervous. I remember call. I think I called and got and just chickened out and never showed up to uh-huh. a open mic or something. And then there was an open mic locally at a at like a waffle it's called Funkin' Waffles. It was like a music venue that served waffles. Okay. <laughs> uh, and uh, somehow I just ended up uh, going there, seeing, checking it out, trying it. Being, it wasn't. I wouldn't even call that me trying it for the first time. It was mm. just bad. And then a club <laughs> opened in my hometown, Syracuse Funny Bone, and uh, you could submit for guest spots opening weekend. And my friend sent me a link. He's like, just do it. And I had done it for my graduation party for my family. My dad was like, if you're not going to do it for your family, you're not going to do it for strangers. Uh-huh. I had a couple of like attempts at it. So I went and did this opening night at the club. And I don't remember anything that I said, but it went well enough. And a local comic came up to me after and was like, hey, you can, you're good enough. Uh, let's let's get you, uh, let's show you how you you're supposed to do this. And he took me under his wing. Okay. And that kind of just started it all off. Okay. What was uh, when you first started? What was your first material about? Uh, I remember it being about my parent, like living at home, mm-hmm. parents, um, some dating stuff. I. I was right at that time. I was writing what you I thought you were supposed to write right. about. Yeah, and I was being the comedian I thought people wanted instead of like, what do I think's funny? So I, thankfully, I've blocked most of that out. Yeah, because uh, <laughs> it was it was bad. But yeah, it, I think it was your typical. I was twenty, so your typical whatever a twenty year old would talk about. Yeah, so you've definitely evolved. How many years have you been doing stand up? Uh, nine years. Nine years. That's, mm. that's a good time to, uh, be doing stand up. you know, that nine, 10 years is when you really, uh, really hit your stride. And yeah, I remember when I was, I think it was my first year I met a nine year in comedian. He was like the feature at the club uh-huh. and just, it blew my mind that someone, I was like, Oh my God, he's been doing it forever. 
And then now I'm nine years in, I'm like, I have, I don't know anything. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's, that's one good thing in comedy to know that you never know anything because everything changes. (laughs) Oh yeah. So your material is so, it's so personal and, and you really attack subjects that could be, you know, it could be taken a lot more seriously or you could be darker with it and yet you keep it really light and still shine a light on you know what anxiety is like and what mm-hmm. you know how interacting with people is like with anxiety and how every day starts and ends and it's just really you, you really have a great flow on how you do that and 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 I mean, you were really able to pull out six minutes and 20 seconds on Colbert, just about anxiety. So right. thinking about getting on Colbert, what was that like? How did it happen? And what was it uh, What was it like being backstage, getting ready to go on? Oh, man. So uh, like I, I mentioned, late night was the, the catalyst for me. Mm-hmm. So... When, and that's all I've ever wanted to do. So I, at a certain point when I started to learn how to write jokes, it was all with the envision of telling it on, on a late night. Mm -hmm. Um, and thankfully I, I, um, I owe a lot to, uh, the Lucy Fest in Jamestown, New York. It's now home of the national comedy center Mm -hmm. and they have a festival, uh, Lucy Fest that I was able to be on. And the booker of the late show was there. And she, and as soon as I got off stage, I knew she was in the audience, but I was, I had 15 minutes and I was like, I'm just going to have fun mm-hmm. and hopefully something, you know, <laughs> but uh, more important, have a good show. Don't worry about that one person. And uh, I get off stage and I had already gotten a message on social media. Like, Hey, have you been on TV would you like to meet up for coffee? And thankfully me and the booker, uh, both had the same ideas. I, I was like, I want to do the whole anxiety challenge. Uh-huh. Like, that's what I want. And I was like, Oh, oh that's this great. Is great. Yeah. <laughs> I was so excited. And, um, I, uh, I'm dating an, a comedian, uh, Caitlin Palufo. And at the time we were, we've been friends longer than, than we were dating at the time I was helping I was being her sounding board because she was about to be on Colbert she mm-hmm. would send me her jokes and go I, I did this change what do you think so I was familiar with the process and Caitlin was about to be on and we had just started dating by the time Caitlin recorded I was supposed to be on that same date as well but they bumped me because they had too many comics mm-hmm. so I just went to support Caitlin and uh, my friend Samantha Ruddy, because they d- used to do it in a showcase. I think they're back to doing single comics mm. now. But uh, so I went and saw the whole process, and that eliminated a lot of anxiety for mm. me. And and uh, also I saw what her green room experience was like. She had her dad back there. She had her new boyfriend back there. She had her best friends, and it was like a fun hang. And then she just jumped on stage and murdered. Uh-huh. And I was like, okay, <laughs> it's not all that different than being in a green room at a club and being like, I'm going to go do my spot. Let's continue this when I get back. Yeah. So when it was my turn, I had um, my father back there uh, and a bunch of comics. Caitlin was out of town, which probably helped. I don't want to yeah. call <laughs> my girlfriend. <laughs> and, uh, uh, so it, it kept me loose. I think sometimes you think, oh, this is a huge show I'm doing. You know, it's a comedy contest. It's a blah, 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 whatever. Mm-hmm. And you think you got to treat it differently than the, you know, Friday night bar show. Mm-hmm. But it's like you killed on that Friday night bar show because you just focused on having a good time. Right. Instead of treating it like it's the biggest deal ever. Also, that's, obviously easy for me to say in hindsight, but, um, so I wanted it to be a normal hang. The only time that was like truly like, holy hell was when, um, they turned, you could see the 
crowd, like they had the monitors in the green room. Yeah. And they turned it to the audience. Because at one point they had it on the empty seats. Mm-hmm. They moved the camera around and then it was full. And uh-huh. I was like, well, this is terrifying. <laughs> and and what they do is they'll have you stand right at the edge of the backstage. So you're out in like 0.5 seconds. And what they do is they have their hand on your back. Uh-huh. And then once they push, it's truly like skydiving. Yeah. <laughs> once they push, you have to go. And uh-huh. then all of a sudden I'm out there. And that was, yeah. Yeah, I, I watched that clip through a few times. And I really watched the beginning because that, that first two seconds, I, I could see the deer in headlights just for that amount of time. And then you overcame it real quick and got into it. But yeah, I yeah. could, cause I've, I've seen myself do that. Cause you know, I've got some anxiety myself and I, right. it, it's really, um, especially when you have time to build it up, uh, as, as far as the anxiety is concerned, w- once you get out there, if you let it overtake you, man, it can just really, annihilate yeah. you and, and good for you for uh being able to push right through it i yeah i have a, a, a added bonus that i've done theaters uh-huh. um i think that helped me a lot because some people that was their first theater experience right and you know because it's a, it's your first late night yeah but i knew to acknowledge the balcony i i want i'm also obsessed with late night's currently so i'm always watching that mm-hmm. uh, you know it's fun but so many people are like well the camera's down here so i'm just gonna pan left to right or look at the camera but it's mm-hmm. like there's an entire balcony of audience members you're ignoring yeah <laughs> so I, I made sure and i i think i saw my late night like whatever not that long after and i remember being like oh i'm looking at everybody and yeah. that was Something I'm glad the anxiety didn't take away from me. Right. Because I want everyone to know I'm there for them. Yeah. And that's really evident in all the clips I've seen, especially the ones where you are you're aware enough of the audience. I mean, you got the sleeping guy, but you also have, you also have different things come up where people don't know the definition of a word you said or something like that. (laughs) And you're really able to jump into that and bring the audience along with you. And I wouldn't even really call it crowd work. It's, it's, it's just really acknowledging what the audience is giving back to you and giving it back to them and it really it it seems to really make your set more solid by being able to jump in and out like that i that thank you because that's uh something i've worked on i don't dislike crowd work at all Uh but it is not what i want to do um because the the big thing that works about crowd work is is it was an in-the-moment thing. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like, everybody's like, oh, my God, this is a crazy moment. And it's like, there's other moments that that will happen naturally. Yeah. Without you having to go, uh, what's with those shoes? Yeah. Because like, <laughs> maybe it is like, what do you do for a living may register with me and maybe something I'm interested in want to hear about. Mm-hmm. And then I'll do that. But I don't want to... I don't like just starting it because it's unpredictable. Oh, now we can talk. Oh, you know, it opens a door to so much yeah. possible chaos. Right. Yeah. But if it's uh, just in the moments that I'm making with the material, it's safer because it's still on my end and I'm taking some of the credit away from myself. Obviously it is interesting that, and that I can do this off the top of my head, but it is safer than crowd work. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I just, it's all, all this is because I don't think anybody wants to see a comedian. That's not really there. Right. Like, uh, the best, like Gary Shandling, uh, I work with Regan a lot. Brian Regan is an expert at being in the moment. Any comic, that is truly present still doing jokes. Cause I, that's all I want to do is tell my jokes, mm-hmm. but 
I can't do the prompt, the autopilot prompter thing. Right. If somebody laughs harder at the setup than the punchline, I'm going to point that out and yeah. be like, oh, that's interesting, that kind of stuff. Uh-huh. So I love doing that. Now you've got a, you've been working with Brian Regan for a while and I I find that to be an interesting pairing because you guys, even though you're both uh, pretty clean and, you know, you know, all American guys and all that kind of stuff, but your, I mean, your act is quite a bit different than his um, Mm -hmm. and your energy is quite a bit different too. So it seems it seems like it's a weird pairing until you know well you don't want you, you don't want the two people performing together be exactly alike so right. does has that worked out that you guys really complement each other in that way yeah i think uh i mean i owe brian everything mm-hmm. I, I mean uh i i could do i i could spend the rest of this time talking about how great he is yeah Um, I'm glad the only thing I'm, I'm, I watch him every night. I'm really glad that not me. That was me. Are we getting on? Is he just, I have no idea how that happened. I think my phone is Bluetooth to my soundboard. (laughs) Wow. And Bluetooth is off. Okay. Actually, Brian's here. Yeah. uh, (laughs) Sorry about that. No, I'm glad I complimented him. Um, (laughs) But, uh, uh, oh, man. What was it? Oh, I watch him every night. I'm glad that I'm not doing Brian. Yeah. You know, there's, I I have, there's 100% influence on me. I, I see it myself. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm not trying to do what he does because that's not who I am, and I think that's what—that's why I still work with him. Mm-hmm. I think that's he notices that. I think he notices the complimenting more than I do. I'm too much of a fanboy to to notice everything that he's doing because uh-huh. uh, I'm just like, holy crap! I'm still working with him. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but yeah, I think it's. I do think that that is something that's happening and I'm glad that I'm different enough uh, because I think the audience would see right through it too and, and not give me anything or mm-hmm. even be worse, <laughs> worse and yell. Than yeah. I'm, so I'm glad it's different enough, but yeah. I, it's not on purpose. I'm just being myself. Right. How did he discover you? Same festival as the Colbert book. Okay, cool. Yeah. Two yeah. years earlier, uh-huh. but same, same festival. That's really, that's really neat. Now, I'm sure that having that gig with Brian has expanded your fan base in Mm -hmm. by quite a bit. How how does that work with you being able to expand your fan base like that? It's been, I'm, I'm so grateful because, uh, I get to, play around in a theater for 20 minutes. It's my favorite thing ever. I love it so much. He's shown me that that's something, you know, you do a certain gig and you're like, Oh, I want to do this all the time. Uh And that's how I feel. I would love to do theaters one day and I get to show a room full of theater comedy goers. Some, you know, my stuff. Uh And, and I'm not, I don't hold it against anyone that doesn't follow me because they're there to see him. Right. But uh, they're cut. Regan fans are diehard comedy fans and they want jokes. Uh-huh. So thankfully that's my, what I want to do. So I, I'll, all I'll do is just say at, near the end of my set, uh, if you want to block me, um, uh, Steven Rogers comedy, uh-huh. you know, they, get, they get the laugh uh, on that. And then that's all I'm going to say. Right. I'm uh, more focused on being funnier than I am uh, like getting out on social media and bringing in followers. Yeah. So I'm glad most people won't be into me until they've seen me live. So it's just kind of works out that he's giving me exposure to a lot of people. Right. I've been working on this, um, this 
theory about comedy and how it's changed because there's so many more of us now than there's a lot more comedians and there's a lot more comedy scenes in in smaller cities i'm in huntsville alabama and it's got a comedy scene and it's it's really and before that i was in south bend indiana and it had a comedy it's you know smaller cities are definitely getting in on this but there's so many that you know not everybody is going to get to the level that they want to however the i I try to compare this to music because I'm such a music fan and I follow a lot of bands that aren't um, like top 40 hits. I mean, and if I were to say their names, you wouldn't know them. Most, a lot of people wouldn't know them, but they have this rabid fan base. And I go back to, I think it was Tim Ferriss that said, get a thousand true fans and everything will build after that. And, and I'm seeing that as being, if you're a comedian and you concentrate on that versus trying to get to the masses right away and you just keep building, like every time you do a set with a, you know, say 60, a hundred people in the audience and then 5% of them become a true fan and you just keep building on that. I'm seeing that as being more a better way to go to be able to um, build that fan base and also get your career going to a point where when you go to a city, then all of a sudden they know who you are because there's enough fans in that city to um, say, Hey, you you should go see Steven Rogers. Are you seeing that type of thing too? That is um, my strategy um, because I, it also is my strategy because that's what's happening. But, uh-huh. uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, nothing against the people that have massive followings on on social media. But the issue with with that, I think the problem that you can run into is you're showing them this killer five minutes. It's so strong. It's so funny, and then you blow up by, you know, getting it out there, however you do it and, or getting something early, you like, you have a killer five and you're on at three channels already. You've Mm -hmm. already got the credits are filled on your poster, but the problem is that five is killer. But what happens after that five is done in the hour that you're now being booked for? Yeah. (laughs) So, um, and I'm not, I'm not saying what I'm doing is, is better. It's just like, I, uh, I'm so more focused on, on having as many good jokes as, as possible. Mm. And, and then, yeah, the, hopefully people find me. Mm-hmm. I, I'm also, uh, I have imposter syndrome, so I don't, I can't be like posting shots of me on stage, like a selfie and like the, crowd behind me going killed it again yeah like, I, <laughs> I can't do it and uh nothing against those people that can because that's a that's a uh, tool and and people will go see you right but i i don't have that in me so i i'm more like i have an album coming out in may i'm like holding on to those jokes i'm not posting any of those clips uh-huh. until the album's out and now it's like Here's a bunch. <laughs> That's my strategy is holding it until I'm sick of it. And because it's all working and I'm not having any risk anymore. Right. So right. I, <laughs> um, that's just who I am. So it works out. Yeah. And when you, uh, you talk about having a lot of material, do you have like a, um, standard writing process that you do or are you, more loose with it how, how how do you write and how do you take it from something that you've written to the stage um i uh i've focused i'm focused on not being hard on myself anymore too hard on myself anymore mm-hmm. i used to feel like oh uh, everything's got to be at uh i had to have this rigid schedule and it's just uh for anxiety uh creates more than it eases mm-hmm. so uh, what I'll do is when I'm ready to write, which is naturally proven to be in the morning, mm-hmm. 
is um, I wake up, make coffee, play with the cat, and then I'm like, all right, time to get to work. I'll set a timer for an hour and just write whatever is on my mind. It's not free writing nonstop. It's just what's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, what am I, what am I feeling kind of stuff. Remember hearing or reading somewhere anytime you through the day, you have an extreme change in emotions. That's probably something mm-hmm. uh, to play with. And uh, I followed that a little bit, but I'll write for an hour or I'll listen to an hour's worth of sets. Cause I have a lot of 20 minute tapes from Brian stuff or mm-hmm. spots in the city. So I'll listen to those. And then I have a uh, word doc that um, I call the hour and uh, it's just a transcribed of what's working uh, on the tapes Mm -hmm. and what I want to say again. And that's a Goldman thing. I remember learning. Yeah. Uh, That's roughly it. And I get loose, very loose on stage when the moments present themselves and try to write on stage. But if it's, I don't push it too hard because I still want this set to go well. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of what I do. And once you get it on the stage, so say you've got a completely new bit and you get it on the stage and h- how long do you give that bit before you say, I need to put that away for a while and maybe look at it later and rewrite it? Um. Caitlin and I were just talking about this. I have an issue with that. I have to get better at putting something down. Uh Um, That's what the hour doc does for me is um, I wrote so much during the pandemic to uh, not go crazy. Mm -hmm. And uh, so now I have tons of, of uh, stuff in that document that I think is a potential bit because I did it on Zoom shows or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I have a lot of stuff. So it does naturally present, like I do naturally put stuff down and not touch it for a little while only because I've overloaded the the, the doc with stuff. And I color code things when they're where they are as far as quality. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of red there's tons of red. So it's like, uh, I'm picked, there's a little too much to sift through. So that presents the putting something down, Mm -hmm. but I need, I I'm too stubborn to do it on purpose. Cause I'm like, no, I got to figure this out now. It's gotta, it's gotta work right now. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so I'm, I create accidentally found a way for it to naturally happen. But, uh, Caitlin's more of a, I got to put this down. And, uh-huh. uh, and I think she told me like a Mark Twain quote. It's like, he would do that. He would put something down. He'd like have manuscripts from years and years and then pick it up. So it's a very powerful tool. I think we should all be doing that, but, uh-huh. uh, I never find a way to do it on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you ever take a bit and, run it through in your head like you are performing it and actually you're the audience too and you're trying to see it from both ways the delivery and being in the audience i've never thought about the uh putting myself in the audience except for that's um not something i think about when i'm running it through that's Uh a great idea which i can't believe i i should be doing that that's smart um so that's i'm stealing that but um (laughs) but i'll say it out loud because you naturally say things shorter than you know you it's almost like your brain's like this word doesn't need it's like a natural editor Mm -hmm. and i'll find shorter ways to say things which i um is a, a big benefit of saying it out loud for me and uh, back to that audience thing, I do that on stage. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I'll put myself in the audience of what would I want to see in this bit right now. But that's more of physicality mm-hmm. and, and energy and stuff. And I learned that from Brian. Brian always has always said to me, uh, yeah, when I need to, I'll just 
picture myself out there in the audience and make myself laugh. Yeah. And, uh, but I've never thought to do it off stage. Which is yeah. And I'm, it's something that I do and I, it just comes naturally to me cause I just, I'm kind of a visualizer and I, right. I like to run, run things through and especially, uh, at my age and, and you've probably been through this too. You, you're always looking for references that can be as universal as possible. And when I think about my age, if I've got somebody, you're, I mean, you're, you're the same, you're younger than both my kids. And when I have somebody your age in the audience, if I mention the Waltons, the TV show, the Waltons, what percentage of your age group is going to get it? So I always have to, I, I have to bring it back and say, okay, what's going to work and what's not going to work. Now, if I'm in a, a room that's got 80% people my age or older, then I'm totally fine. But right. all the other stuff, and then I, I got to find out, you know, is the way I'm coming across, am I coming across as a, a grumpy old man? Um, or, and that's really don't, that, that's not where I want to be. I always want to be the, I want to be the guy, the, the weird uncle that is, um, thinks he's super hip. So he knows a few acronyms, <laughs> but he doesn't know what, what they are. So I, I want to be right there, just weird enough to be, um, noticeable, but also not, uh, be so weird that they're like, okay, this guy's, I'd be scared to be in a room with him. So I, I'm trying to do that line. So I'm always running things through uh, and it's, it's, um, it's, it's a different process, uh, the different age ages you are. And I'm sure you've probably experienced this. Have you ever done rooms where you've got like 80% of the audience is like my age? Yeah, but I do better with, your age than than necessarily younger or like my age yeah you do i mean you are a classic style comedian so i can see that yeah but i know the feeling like i'll but i'm learning and i'm sure like we all know or like if okay i remember a comic when i was starting looking in the room and going oh it's all old people tonight uh-huh. My jokes don't work for old people. And I'm like, shouldn't the jokes be for everybody? Like, shouldn't yeah. <laughs> and that's my philosophy. And I'm not necessarily, maybe it's better to just aim at one category. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I, you mentioned before, like the likable, lighthearted stuff. That's because that's sort of what I would do at a party with people is like, I want everyone to be included. And I want everyone to be having a good time. I don't want anyone to be singled out mm-hmm. uh, or feel like they're out of place because that's how I feel. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's sort of why I'm, I'm just like, no, this should work for everybody. It's just about being a human. It's uh, not gender, race, or age specific. Uh-huh. Um, but I still get intimidated by 20-something like uh, – cool people yeah yeah they're Uh, i mean they're super they're super uh well cynical uh jaded and and they they watch so much youtube that they've seen everything so it's 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 hard to win them over yeah i'm trying to figure it out still but i know this i i do this cool room in in uh the lower east side in in new york it's called Mm. session comedy and it's all young, uh, attractive, cool, twenty-something uh, people. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've seen so many of us comics get intimidated by them. Even if it every demographic of comic I've seen at one point go, "You guys are too cool. This is weird." Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and then I'm realizing, oh, they they don't want it. They don't want to hear that. Like. Once we call them cool, or once you call a crowd old, once you call a crowd anything, they're like, that's, we, I think I, I forget it all the time. We all forget that everybody's processing everything, not just yeah. the material. Yep. So it's, it's not like they're going to tune out once it's something you didn't want them to hear. Right. Yep. <laughs> so, uh, I don't want to call a crowd anything anymore, other than you guys are great. Uh-huh. 
and I'll say I say it a lot because I'm having fun. And uh, but the young people, I'm still trying to figure out. I also avoid references for the reasons you were mentioning. Uh, if I get two in my head, yeah, <laughs> the question, but. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I enjoy the references because I, I like doing, I, I like getting the reference wrong, especially when I'm talking about young stuff. Like I, I always, um, I do, uh, uh, my wife and I have been together for 38 years and we're not just together. We're, we're in love AF and, 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 and then I, then I say always and forever. And it just, that always hits um and oh my god that's killer yeah and even people my age know that yeah. so yeah so i try to i try to do stuff like that but i have to make sure that at least 80 percent of the audience knows the right definition of the reference so i can do the, the wrong <laughs> i mean it, it's so good I, I i'm a big i'm obsessed with jokes i like the even the we're in love. AF is hilarious. Uh-huh. And then so much that I, I'm like, Oh, that's, I love it when, uh, you think that's it. And yeah. then you, that you hit me so hard with the next one. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Maybe I'll do that one tonight when I go out. We'll see. Please. <laughs> I'll feel it. Yeah. So, being in a relationship with another comedian, what are the advantages and disadvantages of that? Big uh, advantages are we understand each other very well. Uh, you know, like um, Caitlin and I have canceled so many things on each other because we got something. Uh-huh. And like we're, we're aware that the night... Once the sun goes down, it's a minefield whether or not, Yeah, you know, it's always changing. Mm-hmm. And we understand that about each other. So our, we have our dates during the day, you know. We just have mm-hmm. our nights are switched, our days are switched or whatever. Right. And uh, that's a nice load off that it's just understood. Mm-hmm. It, I think that's a lot of uh, one-comic, non-comic relationships. And that's hard. I understand both sides. I've dated non-comics. And uh, felt bad every time I had to change yeah. things. Um, so there's no guilt there, which is great. Mm-hmm. And, and um, uh, the advantages are we'll be talking o- over dinner. We had a great dinner the other night. And then she was like, hey, can I tell you this joke I've been telling? And it's like, oh, yeah, this is like our version of tell me about your day. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that's so fun. And she's so damn funny. Like, she's just a destroyer. So I want getting to watch her is always a treat. And people come up to me and say how much they love her. And I don't think anyone's come up to her yet, but, uh, <laughs> uh, that kind of stuff. That's really fun. The only uh-huh. disadvantages are sometimes we go a long time without seeing each other mm-hmm. or like a long time, you know, and, uh, but we work through that. Thankfully there's FaceTime and stuff like that. I'm right. sure it was a lot harder when comics dated in the past. Oh but, Yeah. So it that stinks, but it's like, well, she's doing her favorite thing in the world, and so am I. So uh-huh. we're we're doing all right. Uh, yeah. So when you guys are like being a sounding board off of each other with a with a joke or a bit or something like that, have you guys mm-hmm. ever had a disagreement on what the, the way the joke should go? Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, I think uh, I can't think of any jokes in particular. But I know there's been times that she's given me a line and I'm like, ah, I'll try it. And then it destroys. And then there's a couple of jokes that I've, uh, and her and I fought about mine. She's like, you got to cut that. And I'm like, I'm not cutting it. I'm never cutting it. <laughs> it, it it's like bickering. Yeah. And, um, but I've given I've given her lines. She's given me lines and it's fun to see that from each other. Like, I think I, I was, I listened to my sets a lot and, Mm -hmm. uh, I was, I'm trying to get rid of old ones and I was listening and I remember I told a line and then I went, yes, it's yours. And then I heard her laugh Uh 
And I'm like, oh, okay. So it's just like this fun added joke for our relationship that she gave me the best line of the new joke or I tell her she should cut something and then it kills in front of me. Uh-huh. It's, it's a fun inside joke. <laughs> and also she's a killer writer and I'm not bad either. So we were helping each other at the same time. Mm-hmm. But it, it's fun. It's like a relationship occurring. Thing. Yeah. I, I'm lucky in that my, especially early on, my wife came to a lot of my shows. I didn't start till I was 52, so I'm I'm late to the game. But right. she, it was, I always took her advice because it was always right. And, and <laughs> it, it's, yeah. kind, it's kind of like Gaffigan with his wife, you know, it's, yeah. it, it's, and, and, um, you know, the first couple times I didn't take the advice, it was like, okay, this joke just sucks and, yeah. and it needs to go away. But my ego, you know, your ego is like, yeah. Hey, I, I love this joke. It's funny to me. And, and, uh, but you know, I remember my first few open mics, the only thing I would ask my wife was, was I the worst? And, and I usually didn't get, I was the worst, but then then I started asking more questions. How this joke go? How this joke go? And then, but she's she's definitely, um, even though she's not in comedy, she definitely knows what is funny universally, like what you're looking for, rather right. than going for a niche or something like that. Right. And your spouse, comic or not comic, knows you at your funniest. Yeah. Yeah, and I think uh, that's why they're good people to talk to mm-hmm. about it. Regardless of Caitlin's uh, comic abilities, you know, I've made her cry laughing off stage, and if she can get me closer to doing that uh, with an audience, yeah, I'm going to listen to everything she says. Yeah. So. Have you ever toyed with uh, changing up your your cha- uh, stage style and delivery? Have you ever tried to be like, you know, ma- like match a Brian Regan type energy up there? Have you ever have you ever experimented with that? And how did that go for you? I'm always trying to add more energy. I'm never. I'm not trying to take any away, uh, but I always worried that I'm too stiff mm-hmm. and and too uh, slow. Um, so I try to uh, I've I try to get a I look at Brian and go, can I have a fraction of that energy? Uh-huh. Because it's pretty <laughs> tremendous. Joe List is a uh, one of my best friends and uh, we work together a lot. Uh-huh. And uh, we're very similar people. His energy on stage, I don't think he gets enough credit for. It's a perfect yeah. energy for me, I think. You guys that look like you could be brothers, too. Yeah, we're very, <laughs> very much a brother. Yeah. I'll never tell him, but yeah, it's a brother relationship. And uh, he, uh, he's an energy that I'm like, if I could get to that level of boom, 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 and like just he's really got you with uh-huh. his feel safe in that energy. Yeah. You know, like even with new jokes, you're like, go ahead, Joe, this is great. Yeah. Um, that's something I'm trying to get to. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm actually going through the same thing because I've got a, um, I've got a new closer and I'm, I'm pretty deadpan through most, most of my bits but the right. closer is like super high energy. It's, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's about vape shops and you know, I, I get a chant going and all kinds of stuff <laughs> and I just don't, I, I don't know if I should be building to that or if I should just hit it like, like all of a sudden I'm out of my character because this town needs more vape shops and, and it's just, <laughs> so I'm, um, I, I'm really, that's one of the things I'm struggling with and I, I, I haven't done enough like 15, 20 minute sets to be able to build up to that in, in the last year right. or so because of moving and stuff. But I've, I've always wondered about energy because I, I tell some folks that, you know, I'd really like to bring my energy up and they, a lot of folks tell me that I shouldn't because right. the deadpan thing is what works for me. So it's, it's weird. Right. I think, um, I like 
uh, natural is the best. Yeah. So if, if deadpan is your natural rhythm, I stick to that. But it doesn't, in my opinion, doesn't hurt to play with levels. Yeah. Um, I have a joke about um, that on my new thing. Uh, so I'm still working on it, but it's four of my ex-girlfriends came out of the closet. Mm-hmm. And I go, uh, uh, the first one, you're like, oh, okay. Two and three, you're like, wow. But after four, you're like, am I a lesbian? Yeah. <laughs> so on that last line, I used to yell it like, like confused uh, outbursts, uh-huh. rage kind of thing. And, and I'm like, where is this? Why, why am I doing this? And then I, but I made it more natural. Like it does go up a little bit. Uh-huh. And, uh, okay. Now there's two and three, you know, and then, but it felt more natural to just, you know, a little bit higher, not mm. yelling. And I think I did the yelling thinking that it uh, equaled uh, a killer laugh or something. Mm. And then when I, it's actually a better laugh when I stay natural to the rhythm so right. yeah i think they know what i'm trying to say is i think they know when you're doing energy for energy's sake and it yeah i think every joke has its levels of energy that you have to play with that's another thing i'm i'm guilty of and i'm working on is you just because the lines are done like uh-huh. all the jokes written parts are done doesn't mean it's finished uh-huh. you can play with Higher energy here, movement here, that kind of stuff. So yeah. I, it's, I love energy and I'm still trying to figure it out. Because yeah. I it's, think added level of punchline. Right. It's, it's really weird. And there, there was this guy up north that, um, he did a, he, his energy during most of his act was very similar to yours and his pacing mm-hmm. was very similar, but his closer was this whole thing about Winston or not Winston Churchill, um, Orson Welles and Orson Welles doing all these different commercials. And he would go nuts. He would go, he would walk through the audience as, uh, Orson Welles and, and do all that stuff. And it was, it punctuated his whole set. so well and so that's that's one of the things that i always think about i I don't even think he does it anymore but when when he did do it it was just it was absolutely fabulous and but it was totally it was like a different person he just turned into this different person but he was impersonating orson welles so he he got away with it so it's I, i i I think I may be a little bit like you that I overthink things a little bit too much. And then when it all comes down to it, you just got to try it a few different ways and then find out which one works the best. Yeah. And, uh, I think that's where, um, too much with people with anxiety, you, you and me, we think structure is going to equal safety. Yeah. You know, we want to not high, but, we feel comfortable within uh, the walls of rules and that kind of stuff. But on stage, I think it is good to fight that feeling. So I don't have a set list anymore. Um, I write down what I want to say mm-hmm. as far as I'd like to get to this joke at some point tonight. I want to do this joke, but it's, I can't do orders anymore. And, um, I think uh, that has created some extra boost of energy because it's with no safety net. It's like, all right, this joke and that energy of me just pulling it and starting it kind of helps me see what I can do with it. And I have this nervous energy layer to it. It, I don't know. I'm still figuring it out, but that's, what's fun about all of this. Right. And when it's so, when it, I've been through the same thing, cause I used to be super structured and when you're super structured, you make a lot more mistakes. Right. And, and I think it's because your, your head is so much into the list right. rather than your head being into performing. And, and when you don't go out with a list, you remember everything and more it just, right. because it's your stuff. I mean, you, you should right. remember it. 
Have Have you ever come up with a new line on stage? Uh, yeah. Were you, were you like being structured or were you being loose? I was being loose. Uh, yeah. One of the few times in Indiana when I was being loose. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was. It was. Uh, it, 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 and it actually stuck. You know, it's 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 part of the act now, and it, oh, it awesome. made it so much better. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. I think that's. Uh, I don't know. I think that works. I, there's many ways to write on, on stage and stuff, but I think when you're you're loose and but you did the work earlier that day, that creates a lot of uh, opportunities. Mm-hmm. I think. Now, do you ever have the dream that you're about to go up and you've totally forgotten anything you're going to say? <laughs> um, I've had the I've only had the dreams where I couldn't get to the stage. Okay. You couldn't, uh, there was a spinal tap moment. You couldn't find it. <laughs> don't lose it. Don't lose it. Um, there's, I've had that and, and I've had on stage, but I can't hear myself. And I'm like, I'm in the audience. Okay. I haven't had too many, or I, you know what I've had is uh, talking to my hero nightmares or talking to, oh, okay. you know, Oh, turns out this dead comedian hates me. Or yeah. <laughs> uh, that kind of stuff. I always worry I'm not working hard enough, and I think that's my brain showing. Yeah. Me. <laughs> so, in your career in these nine years, who has given you the best piece of advice that you still use today? Um, man, the Brian one is is a big one. Is uh, put yourself in the audience. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I can just give you a couple of the ones he said, cause he's had the most influence on my life and career, but he said cream rises to the top. I mean, that's a, a, a thing we all know, but to hear it from someone that is a symbol of that in comedy, mm-hmm. he, it's not like he did a sitcom and we all know him because of that. We know him because of his hard-hitting stand-up. Mm-hmm. All we know about him. So I think it's – I equate that to – I think there's that Seinfeld quote, keep your head down in failure and your head up in success. Or no, I'm sorry. Head down in success and head up in failure. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so the stuff that I've heard from Brian is uh, just keep doing it. You know? Mm-hmm. It's so cliche. It sucks that the cliches are cliches. Yeah. They're, they're, <laughs> but uh, my cat opened my door. Uh, <laughs> cats uh, are the best. <laughs> yeah, cats are the best. She must have felt how much I like this. It's always when I'm having fun in the interview. Yeah. Never <laughs> I'm bored and need a cat. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I. I wish I could remember other advice, but it's really just get up every day. Mm. Don't, don't stop. Right. Now the album's coming out in May. Is that a, available for pre-order yet? April 8th, this Friday. April, okay. Yeah. Excellent. It will be available for pre-order. And then I, uh, intend to do a, uh, a live stream of it on YouTube, but there's video of it. Um, a video special, I guess. Uh-huh. Cool. I mean, on the same day, I, I, I intend to uh, do a live viewing of that at 9 p.m., but I'm still working that out. Okay, excellent. Excellent. Yeah. What's what's the name of the album? Before He Was Super. All right. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's great. So where uh, can uh, where can people find you online and uh, all that stuff, website and all that good stuff? Uh, website Stephen Rogers Comedy, uh, and the social media I would I, Stephen Rogers Comedy on on uh, Instagram, and that's where I'm going to announce uh, what time I'll be streaming the special mm-hmm. and all that stuff. So you can and there's uh, my Twitter's at not Steve Rogers, but all that you go to one, it's linked to everything else. Yeah. So, but follow me on Instagram. I post reels of in the moment. Uh, 
stand up and uh, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Well, it's been great having you on and, uh, you know, I, I, I'll continue following you and I'm really looking forward to the album coming out. Thank you. Uh, I really appreciate it. And, uh, this was so fun. Thanks for having me, Scott.